Welcome to Ethical Data Explained. Join us as we discuss data-related obstacles and opportunities with entrepreneurs, cybersecurity specialists, lawmakers, and even hackers to get a better understanding of how to handle data ethically and legally. Here to keep you informed in this data-saturated world is your host, Henry NG. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ethical Data Explained. I'm your host, Henry NG, and today we have a special guest, Neil Amy, not only a founder and CEO at Robite, but once biked from Nebraska to San Francisco in 29 days, so an impressive man outside of the world of data as well. Um, I actually listened to his talk back in 2022 at the Zeit Summit. Uh, I was there at that event, um, and we have him here today to not only talk about his experience and his career journey and his experience at Rayobite, but his experience in the world of data as well. So, yeah, welcome, Neil. Uh, I'll hand over and you can do a, a little introduction for yourself. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, Zeit, you just sparked that. That was a fun conference. And, it really was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. For those who haven't seen it, it's a, it's a great talk. I think very informative and engaging. Uh, but I talk about how to source IPs. And that's kind of that's kind of my the last seven years of my life has been about how to source and sell proxies in, in an ethical way, of course. And, and so that's that's what's got me here today. And before that, I was just I was just a normal college guy and, and getting my computer science degree and and the business took off. And here I am. Brilliant. So what kind of sparked that? So what, what was your degree? And if you don't mind me asking and, and what kind of sparked your uh, kind of route into Rayobites and like IPs and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, it, it was a computer science degree. I'd always been kind of a techie and programming. When I, I think I started, made my first kind of like my video game bot. I, I bought it a game that helped me like do some actions that were tedious when I was like fourteen. So my kind of macro basically mm -hmm. I did some things. So my programming went back quite a ways, but not too intensively. And so I did that in college, and I'd always been doing SEO. I started SEO when I was maybe sixteen. In, in high school and did like little odd end SDO jobs. And back then that was a day when you could kind of spam some backlinks online and, and immediately get, get uh, uh, ranked on Google on number one overnight and have some, some cheap filler sites that, I mean, like, so I would go create a site that would just have some thin content. Like hey, it was informative. It wasn't doing anything illegal or, or unethical in my opinion. It's just what Google wanted to see to be, to rank. And it was very easy to rank back then. And, Times have changed. Um, so uh, that, that was, that was six, uh, 16. And so I kept doing SEO, SEO, SEO. And then through college, I was still doing a lot of SEO services. And when I was doing those services, I was using a lot of proxies and a lot of service. And I kept running across the same problems of poor uptime, poor customer service, shady, sketchy providers. This is 2015 when I started the company is today. And I was in college in my last semester of college. And I was like, you know what, let me try, try it myself. And Within uh, one semester, one, three months, I had $100,000 of sales from selling it to people in my SEO communities. That mm -hmm. was my kind of in. So that's, yeah, what started the journey. Brilliant. And would you say that's still what you're kind of passionate about and what Rayobites is passionate about, that focus on SEO? Or have you kind of expanded uh, beyond that kind of passion of just SEO? Yeah, yeah. Up until about a year ago, we rebranded we actually from our former name to last 
the prior six years was we were called Blazing SEO, which is a horribly branded name, by the way. <laughs> it just took it is a rebranding effort. Isn't something you do overnight. So we had to find the time to prioritize it. And so uh, Blazing SEO is because I sold to SEO people in the, the early days, and it, we quickly got out of the SEO after maybe the first six months. We said, "Wow, look at all these other use cases for proxies." And so Railbyte was just rebranded to uh, uh, a, a year ago, and yeah, we're more much more general. Brilliant. And obviously, like you said, you were founded back in 2016. You you kind of learned from your mistakes and you made your changes. And I mean, up until this point, like what are some of the things you've kind of learned about kind of building ethical data usage practices? Um, like, have you made your own mistakes or have you just kind of learned from from market mistakes? Yeah, yeah. Um, my site talk, I, I talked about it as well, too. Just we've had some interesting cases. You learn, you learn when the cases come up of like, oh, there was someone who who used our IPs to do some abuse that we catch. And then we're like, how did that slip through the cracks? How did that slip through our vetting process, our KYC processes? And over a now seven-year period, you have so many cases that you can start adjusting to make sure our, our network's being used for the most legitimate cases possible. And uh yeah, yeah, no, just just over time, you kind of you kind of learn the tricks of the trade. Of course, of course. And where do you kind of see the future, like of residential proxies moving to? Obviously, we've covered SEO. You said obviously there's other other practices that are um, on the market now. Things like social social media account management and, and yeah. things like that. Do you see the proxy marketing uh, market kind of developing from that, or, or going any further than that? No, I think I think scraping will continue to be the greatest driver. As as we all know, the fad right now of Chat GPT, they're just one giant scraper. Or you could argue maybe they have access to the databases and they're built by Reddit, Wikipedia. Maybe they got access to those. But that's where AI will be able to evolve to, where they're just scraping all the world's publicly available data to do that at the scale that AI. Just that that one example alone you need a lot of residential proxies to do so to collect that publicly available data. So I think scraping will be the, the major, but its applications will continue to vary as we're seeing the growth in AI in particular. Okay. And from your past experience over the past, you know, seven, eight years, or coming up to eight years, what would you say is the most creative way you've seen proxies being used by clients? Um, anything that really stands out to you? Well, it's for those who've been in the industry, it's not a surprise, but for those who haven't been um, our fun. Our funnest industry is it, it was much hotter seven years ago. Was uh, the sneaker industry? People using proxies to cop is the, <laughs> the terminology. Cop the latest sneakers. Yeezys were the ones that people going for the most. They were the hottest, and people could get buy buy the sneaker for retail for three hundred dollars and then resell it for two thousand yeah. dollars. So their profit margin was just massive. So they would just buy a lot of IPs from us to try getting a chance just to buy one shoe because they would pay for the profit margin to be able to resell it. So that was, that was fun. There was, there was some, there was, there was one client we worked with is a fun story. He was our largest sneaker client. He was basically like a middleman. There's a whole supply chain. So mm -hmm. there was the consumers who would just have their own little bots, but then there was kind of middlemen people could pay like $500 for, for the $300 shoe and those middlemen would try figuring out and those middlemen would come pay this client of ours. And this one client of ours, he uh, one, one release, he had a very customized bot that he built himself. He, uh, I asked him how he did on the, on the release. And he said, this is one of my best ever. In that one hour period, the release happened, he made $3 million. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, in the, I'm in the wrong business here. <laughs> and he did that weekend after weekend after, because Adidas, it would have drops almost every weekend, whether the Ultra Boost or, or Yeezys or otherwise. 
That, that's definitely the crazy thing though even before like before i started in proxies the i, I was in SaaS, so i had no idea about this market and then <laughs> as soon as i joined during soaks and became part of the the team i didn't realize how big the sneaker market actually is oh, yeah. obviously you see like the upsell on sneakers all the time but the the inventiveness and even some of the people doing the actual sneaker copying they're not that old they're like between the age of 16 and 21 yeah, it's yeah crazy exactly. what they're doing exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, definitely. This podcast is brought to you by Soaks, a leading proxy provider, enabling your business to unlock the world of publicly available data. Get data at scale. Soaks data. So one of the big things of of Rayobytes and obviously your, your past is like, being that ethical standard of, of kind of residential proxies, the ethical acquisition of residential proxies. So in your opinion, you've kind of stated that you are, are that standard. Do you see any kind of other ethical proxy providers on the market? And in your opinion, what essentially does it mean to be like an ethical proxy provider? Yeah, yeah. Well, the first part of that, my answer would be, so we just started selling residential a little over a year ago and we've been around for a little over seven years selling data center proxies and because, and we, we knew for quite a long time, like residential, there's money there and people could ask us for it. But what we saw back then was, was people asking for sketchy use cases, unethical or illegal use cases. And we kept asking ourselves, how could you possibly acquire so many IPs ethically? And we kind of naively didn't pursue it because our data center, we are the bread and butter of data center. And my plug ourselves proxy ways report in 2022 said our results were the best in data centers. We know data center is kind of who we are. And we stayed in that lane. Residential continues to grow in value. And we took a step back about two years ago when we started development of residential and said, you know, how can we get in here ethically? We won't enter into it if we have to go the route that so many providers do. Um, there's been some that have been shut down recently by the FBI that acquire IPs by basically a botnet, malware on people's computers. And we just kind of assume like, oh, that must be how companies are doing it. There's some of the active providers in the market right now who claim on their front page that they're the most ethical provider, yet there's research paper after research paper after research paper that says they're, 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 they can't be. It's, it, these, these, these IPs are coming from like IoT devices, mm-hmm. which tells you that like no one intentionally installed it on IoT. So the point being is we step back and ask, how can we enter this ethically? And you have a point. We, we say that, you know, we're ethical. I'd be remiss not to acknowledge Soaks and this, this <laughs> podcast. Is, as, this is not know, a plug. We, we're yeah, not paying right. him to say this. This is his own <laughs> yeah. opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, I think the key point would be everyone says they're ethical, it, is it, us included, Soaks included, and, you know, name top competitors included. The question is, is are they really? And I, I can't answer, you know, whether Soaks is or not. I know we are. I feel confident we are for the mm-hmm. things that we list on our site. And the way I, I, I encourage some of the customers who ask us and question that is, is from a customer perspective, we, we kind of say, well, sure, try signing up and seeing if you could do something ethical with our IPs. We'll catch you. Like yeah, we, we just are so confident. We challenge that. And then on the acquisition side, our acquiring app is called Cash Raven. Any developer can come to Cash Raven and say, hey, I have my app. I want to monetize it and they'll quickly find that we that their app we make sure there's a, a pop-up that requires the terms of service the customer knows their ip is being used for proxy et cetera, et cetera. and so our boxes are checked if someone wanted to do the due diligence where i can't say the same for some other competitors that are out there and then, and then like uh, from from our side as, as soaks and our, your side as a provider as well obviously we 
have those kind of uh, liabilities in place for if we get notified or if we get flagged, one of our, our users is you know, misusing any of the proxies and, and that's how we tackle it. And I'm sure that ourselves at Robites have the same type of process yeah. as soon as any yeah. illegal activity is is there, we flag it and we, yeah. we kind of cease the service right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the big things about not just proxies, but data collection scraping whole is that legality side of things. And it's the mm -hmm. big question. And I well, ever since I've joined Soaks and worked in the world of proxies, I've called it kind of that gray area technology. Yeah. From your opinion, especially from like last year's 911.re like proxy provider scandal and the high Q versus LinkedIn case, like do you feel like web scraping will ever get rid of that kind of bad reputation? Mm -hmm. um, or do you feel like it's it's kind of too far gone from that point now? Mm -hmm. Um, from a reputation standpoint, that's a good question. I think that would be, depend on who you ask. Um, I think scraping, well, it, it, it's, yeah, I, my answer comes to scraping publicly available uh, information, particularly social media. With the Cambridge Analytica case with Facebook, that's put scraping on the hot seat. Proxies, proxies are even kind of further down where proxies are kind of out have a bad, a pretty hard, bad reputation because of them being used for, for all kinds of illegal and unethical cases. That's a harder hill to fight, honestly, in my opinion. And we do what we can as an industry as a whole. Um, scraping, I think, is a lot easier. But then you still have these these cases like Cambridge Analytica that like that put like, oh, dang it, that's that's bad. And, and so from the ethicality side on a more legal, so the reputation side. Yeah, scraping is a little easier, I think, to get there and really get a, a bright light on it. Proxies are kind of like behind scraping. I think as both of them get pushed, as, as as companies like ourselves really put this in the forefront, a podcast like this puts in the forefront, I think it makes the stronger case than prior to just a couple of years ago, there weren't podcasts like this. There weren't people talking about this as often. So that's good for all of us in the industry that this is happening. On the legal side, for for scraping, you see the IQ case, you see the 9911 re um, getting shut down. Um, what I see in, in the future coming forward is, is social media is going to get harder and harder just from based on government pressure. I, I don't think the social media companies, well, we've been around long enough. The social media companies didn't care that much for the, the, just like the more of a tolerable amount, like they don't spam us and we'll, we'll look yeah. the other way kind of thing. But now the governments are pressuring on them because it's personal, personal data. Yeah. Whereas what I don't think there will be much that will evolve from the, the legal side is especially on e-commerce or anything that's non-personal, but e-commerce is kind of the biggest use case because you'll find in some public court documents that like Amazon, Target, Walmart, they're actively paying proxy companies to help scrape. Facebook actually in the uh, Facebook Meta's, Meta and Bright Data's lawsuit, Meta was paying Bright Data to to scrape. So these large companies are doing the scraping themselves, Amazon, Target, Walmart, et cetera. So for them to set a precedent in court to say it's illegal to scrape publicly yeah. available data means they'd be hurting themselves. So it's just kind of, as you said, this gray area, like everyone's going to like tolerate it and put in anti-scraping technology to, so that their competitors can't get their data. And that's where it gets really interesting. Of course. And Obviously, Rayobytes and, and yourselves being founding members of the Ethical Web Data Collection Initiative, I'm guessing that will kind of help towards how that's managed moving forward and what that looks like in, in future. But it would be great to know a little bit more about how you, know, you became part of the initiative and the work that our members actually do, um, just so our listeners are, are fully aware. 
Yeah, yeah. So the EWDCI, it's a quite quite a mouthful. <laughs> um, it, it, it was just launched officially here just, just recently, but it's been in the works for about a year now um, because of what I, I kind of said just earlier that prior to probably a year ago, if you would if you'd go on like the Wayback Machine and, and look up like mentions of the word ethical proxy provider or ethical proxies, you'd see it's so much fewer cases being talked about this even prior to a year ago. Seven years ago when I first started, it was a wild, wild west. Like everyone's just kind of figuring out what are proxies, what are their use cases, how can we monetize using proxies? And so the EWDCI um, initiative, uh, it's 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 our effort to to kind of get ahead of of government re- regulations that latch on to the the issues like Cambridge Analytica. The, the government officials, all all they're seeing right now is the bad cases. So they're saying, okay, scraping must be bad. Let's let's put legislation around it. Or it's not. It's not all bad. And so this initiative is going to help showing all the useful cases that that power all of our normal lives, like looking for a hotel, looking for a, a flight, looking for your, your product on Amazon. Those prices are the cheapest because they're they're scraping and finding what are the prices out there. Let us be the so it's it's helping our senators and our congressmen get cheaper prices, and so that's where we need to shine a light on the benefits of public scraping. Yeah, and I definitely think this is something that the public don't really understand about where proxies and web scraping comes in. It if you look at the the industry as a whole, it seems a very specialist and very niche thing. But if you bring up the fact that things like Booking.com, Hotels.com. Yeah. They're doing the same thing. They're scraping yeah. that data in the background and they're contributing to what it looks like for your day to day. And when you put it like that, the whole gray area starts to disappear because yeah. Yeah. I booked a flight to Singapore for 600 pounds because I use booking.com. Yeah. Whereas if I Googled it, it was 800 something pounds. It yeah. just makes more sense in, in, yeah. in kind of that overall view. And I think this is a thing with like the trends of what proxies and scraping and the scraping space looks like um, and ourselves being both companies being providers like what what do you see as like new opportunities that might be up and coming for for the proxy world and in your opinion what should proxy providers really pay attention to to be more competitive in the next couple of years well yeah with there's a lot of theories on this and and my my personal opinion is is we're we're at a, we're at a period right now where there's there's a lot of people swarming this this industry, and it's only so big, and it's not it's not a huge industry by by most market standards, and it's getting saturated. And with saturation comes comes varying degrees of quality that's going to be provided into the market. And so, I, as I look for the, the five year timeline, ten year timeline, you have to keep asking what's going to change. Well, I, I think I don't think public scraping is ever going to be made illegal. I think personal information. I think in ten years, personal scraping, personal data scraping. I think that'll be that could be illegal, but in terms of the, the other major use of e-commerce, booking, et cetera, um, I don't think they will. What will happen is the, te- the anti-scraping technology that those companies put on their sites will continue to get more and more and more and more advanced. And how the current um, networks of IPs work today, what we've seen in our competitors, what we know with our, even our software, is we're, we're a bit of a hands-off infrastructure to a degree. You sign up, you use the IP on your software, and you kind of go off and you try getting successful. But what, what's going to happen is as these trillion-dollar companies like Amazon get better and better at saying, nope, I want to ban you and ban, start banning IPs at mass, I think 
companies like ours won't be able to give a kind of free reign access to proxies to the end user because they're likely not going to be experts at having good user agents for when they're scraping and, and good finger anti-fingerprint technology and rotating their IPs and, and good intervals and things like all these things that like make you kind of evade the, the scraping. The end user, a lot of end users don't use that. So they'll ban mass amounts of IPs if you give them that access to do so. Mm -hmm. So I think companies like us will have to stay ahead of that to, as the anti-scraping technology increases. We'll have to maybe start tightening or, or helping helping that end user as much as possible. Definitely, definitely. That's all of the, the scraping side and the proxy side uh, questions that we, we had kind of lined up. But um, one of the final questions before we move on to our questions that we ask every guest is, I'm going to rephrase it because to me, you're a young founder. Yeah. <laughs> as Thank a young you. founder, what would you give as advice to other young founders in looking to kind of break into that proxy industry and, and the proxy market or, or scraping market? Yeah, well, so so we we offer reselling of our proxies. And so we see ambitious people come to us and say, yes, I, I have some people I want to resell. And there isn't a high success rate of the people who succeed there because, as I said, the market is growing more and more saturated. So the, the big brands that are recognizable and have some authority and have been around long enough, they're the ones who kind of suck up most of the market. And the newcomers, it's so hard to compete against that brand power. So my advice to people entering the, the proxy space would be, one, if you have limited resources, you need to make sure you have a very close-knit a niche of, of customers who, who who want to buy from you because you're the expert and you can help them. It's more maybe more of a service type, like you're helping them succeed with the, instead of just a, a like come buy from my website kind of approach. And that's what I did when I started the company is like SEO. I knew people in the SEO. I approached them. They're like, yeah, I'm not loyal to this company. Let, you know, you're going to help me? Sure. Let me work with you. And that's how I grew rapidly. So the same still applies today. And then two, on, on the other side is it's kind of a, a common um, business cliche is, is find ways to differentiate if you just if you were to go create a site and offer the exact same products with the same same pricing tiers the same offering as all the major brands you're likely not going to win out and so you have to ask how can i differentiate what is it, is it service-based maybe build little tools that help people in their industry you know things like that help just add a little bit extra differentiating that the big companies aren't necessarily worrying about so any aspiring Know, pro proxy aficionados out there listening to the podcast definitely yeah. take that advice on board um yeah. our final three questions we asked every guest and um, the first one is who in the world of data would you most like to take out to lunch i won't be offended if you don't say me um that's perfectly yeah. fine <laughs> <laughs> but in the world of data if you could pick anyone who would your choice be well i i admit my uh, how naive i may be but i can't like when i think of a person in data a name doesn't jump out at me <laughs> and, and and it probably tells me more about myself that the data is less less interesting to me than than the product and the use cases mm -hmm. the product well, maybe, people may, maybe a product person then what yeah 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 yeah, yeah well then, then i think my my, my my the product person would be johnny ive from apple yeah you know i mean yeah. that, that'd just be great just to pick his brain for a half hour it's, it's just the way his mind works and how strategically placed it like he's he it's it's like precision it's like watching a surgeon think when he lays out yeah any type of product plan. <laughs> right so, right beautiful so the the second question is software right we work in the world of proxies but software wise we i'm sure we use apps and software on a daily basis what piece of software could you not live without on a daily basis 
I, I feel like you'd shame me if I didn't say chat GPT the fad of, of everything, but no, it's, it's an impressive tool software. I, I, that one's hard too. I, I use a lot of software. I'm a tech guy. I'm a computer science guy. I, I use what we, we're, we're a Slack company. We're a Google meet Google suites company. Um, we use Asana for project management. Beyond that, I, I I wouldn't say there's much. I I, I would miss my, my my Garmin watch if yeah. that's a piece of <laughs> my, my software that tracks my my health and my 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 steps and my my runs and, and so forth. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, it's important. I feel like fitness is uh, something that people are kind of focusing more and more on, and tracking is important so you can see your improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So the the final thing is the use of data and solving real world problems. Um, we're both very much ingrained in helping people use data on a day to day basis. But for your personal experience, how have you used data to solve a real world problem? Um, it could be work based, it could be personal life based. Uh, mm -hmm. What What's your kind of real world problem that you've always been able to solve with the right amount of data? Yeah, the, I think that brings me back to uh, my SEO days. I was mm -hmm. using um, the tool called Scrapebox, which is an old old school um, Google scraping tool. They load in proxies and it would scrape Google search results for you. And whether you use, whether it was for like lead gen or you, you'd find thousands of URLs that had certain keywords or you'd do it for keyword tracking as well too. I did that for SEO services. So did a lot of solving on the SEO side in terms of scraping and proxies back then. Brilliant. So that, that was the last question. Um, I, I definitely want to thank you for jumping on the podcast. It was great to get to know you and um, you're actually the first other proxy provider we've brought onto the podcast. Oh, okay. And I Good. think it's great that we share a lot of the, the same type of knowledge around ethical data and, and what we believe in when it comes to ethics. So um, thank you very much for sharing your view and, and for having us on. Um, guys, if you if you want to know more, uh, definitely go follow Neil on um, on on LinkedIn. I'm sure there's plenty of links there of his talks at, at the Zeit Summit and, and other summits that he's been a part of. Um, and yeah, we'll hopefully have you back on in future, maybe in a couple of years to see how everything's developed um, and see how uh, how we stand as, as proxy providers and, and data scraper providers. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Henry. And thanks to Soaks for taking the initiative to, to be ahead of something like this, as, as important as it is. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, listeners. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Ethical Data Explained is brought to you by Soaks, a reputable provider of premium residential and mobile proxies, a gateway to data worldwide at scale. Make sure to search for Ethical Data Explained in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Soaks, thanks for listening.